We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. NBA most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am here with, all, as always, excuse me, with Rohan Kadi, my terrific co-host. We are here to talk mostly about the Bucks beating the LA Lakers. Unfortunately, can't really say beating down. It was close late, but the Bucks win 111-104. to 104. Later on in the show, we're going to have the sometimes great, sometimes awful. Just kidding on one of those. Justin Rowan joining us, but for now it'll just be Rohan and I. Rohan, first takeaway from the Bucks going three and zero against LA teams so far this season. Uh, Ty, when I was taking my notes during this game, I wrote down two things right off the bat. Uh, one we can we'll get into a little later. I wrote down George Hill is my dad, and then uh, <laughs> I wrote the Bucks are very good. The Milwaukee Bucks are very, very, very good. They are a great team. They absolutely. Like, they put the clamps on the Lakers. The score, it was a seven-point game, but it didn't really feel like that. It felt like the Bucks had control the entire time. It was just, it was a good old-fashioned grinded-out win, and they did it against the, uh, one of their peers at the top of the league. Yeah, they did. Um, I thought it was especially impressive. You know, the Bucks go up huge at halftime. Uh, they were up, I can't do quick math. They were up a sizable amount. I think it was nearly 20 points. And the Lakers come back in that third quarter. But Giannis and Chris Middleton hardly played in that period, honestly. Uh, Giannis ending with just 32 minutes because of foul trouble. He ends with five fouls. Chris Middleton plays just 29 minutes with four personal fouls in this game. And the Lakers played their stars a lot. Anthony Davis plays 43 minutes right off missing a game with an ankle sprain. And LeBron plays 37 himself. Um, so the Lakers make it close in that quarter, end up outscoring the Bucks 35-24, which is a sizable margin. But honestly, considering Milwaukee is without its best three players for most of that quarter and the Lakers relied heavily on their stars, I can kind of live with losing that quarter by 11 and still winning the game. That, that quarter was an opportunity for this game to become... I don't think the Lakers could have turned it into a blowout for their end, but they certainly could have taken the lead back, I think. And we've seen what we've seen all season, and we'll, obviously we'll have to wait to see if this translates to the playoffs, but we saw the Bucks' role players do at least enough. And usually they don't have to do it for most of a quarter without any of Giannis, Chris, and Bledsoe, but they managed, and I don't want to laud the Bucks for losing a quarter by 11, but that's kind of what I'm doing. I mean, they kept this thing reasonable 
and then kept it close enough to where Giannis could come back in and pretty much cement the victory. Yeah, no, it, the the Bucks role players were super important during that game. I thought your your tweet was fantastic. I'm trying to scroll through the timeline to find it. When, I, I was I was sending oh, them off, so it might yeah, take a while. It, it was. Uh, you were saying like, yeah, maybe you use Chris and Giannis during foul trouble, but Bud's just going with George Hill, Sterling Brown, Kyle Korver, Ursan Elisova, yeah. and Brooke Lopez, while oh. LeBron and AD are playing out of their minds in that galaxy, quarter. And they, galaxy brain Bud. Galaxy brain Bud. And while it didn't work in the quarter, it worked for the overall game. Like the Bucks role players were really good alongside Giannis and Chris, mostly Giannis, uh, but it just, it worked out. And they did what they needed to. No one was an, No one was really like an outstanding negative on the court. When they were on the court, is that fair to say? Yeah, no, I didn't think so. And, I mean, Sterling ends up minus 10. So does Ursan. I thought Ursan was fine. He actually had a couple of possessions. Uh, a couple of the times AD gets the foul. A couple of times he played damn good defense on uh, Anthony Davis. But I did not love Sterling's game. He does end up yeah. with a triple and, and two steals. But I can't believe he's only credited with one turnover. It felt like more than that. It's just he didn't seem like he was in the right place most of the times. I mean, I kept seeing him sticking around to go for a rebound when, like, Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard are right there. And I'm like, you're not going to get – you're not going to beat them to a spot they're already in and get a rebound over those guys. He jumped for so many rebounds. And it's like you can't let this Lakers team get out in transition because they also have dangerous shooters, especially Tanny Green, who makes seven of 12 threes tonight, an outlier performance for him. But not not the most fun outlier shooting performance, I think it's fair to say. Hey, Rohan? Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, going back to the original thing, I think Sterling Brown was, he was probably the worst buck to see the floor tonight. Like he played the worst in his minutes, which is actually starting to be a trend, which yeah. is a little concerning. Um, but going like, one thing you said about the rebounds and another player who was not really a role, like, role player because he was starting, but Dante DiVincenzo. There were two plays where he blocked a lob to AD and then he got a rebound over JaVale McGee. Like, what is this kid doing? He's nuts with rebounding. And that's one thing I wanted to talk about in particular. The Lakers kill teams with either passes to someone cutting right by the rim or lobs themselves. The Bucks were really, really good at limiting those opportunities for L.A. And I think that maybe as much as anything else swung the game. I mean, the Bucks were clearly ready for that. They were looking for it all game. Anthony Davis does end up scoring 36 points. It takes him 25 shots, and 14 of those 36 come from the foul line, which not a whole lot Milwaukee can do about that. I mean, AD's a great player, and he does get a good whistle on top of it. But I thought the Bucks did a tremendous job not letting the Lakers get those easy buckets. I mean, JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard have been cleaning up all year off lobs, off easy cuts while defenses are preoccupied. They combined tonight for six points, in 32 minutes. That is shutting down a team's reserve weapons. And you look at the Lakers bench. It scored four points. Four Oof. points. Dwight Howard made a shot. Ray John Rondo made one shot. That is it for the Lakers bench. You look at their starters. ADS 36. LeBron and Danny Green both have 21. Then Contavious Caldwell Pope gets 18. I thought he had a pretty solid game. He did. Seven he played more minutes shooting. than Giannis. He did. He made a lot of uh, inside the arc shots. He made the most of his like floaters and stuff. And then outside of those four guys, the only other Lakers to score, JaVale with four, Dwight and Rondo both with two. That's going to be hard to... I mean, you can have two guys lead the team in scoring by a lot. I mean, the Lakers did it back in the day with, with obviously, Shaq and Kobe. You know, the Warriors, they had Clay as well, but they would have a lot of the times, you know, KD and Steph doing a lot of scoring. That's fine. You can't have... Outside of the four guys, everybody else combined for eight points. That will not win you many basketball games. No, it will not. And going back to what you were saying about not being able to, like the Bucks limiting lobs, a lot of what the Lakers do is they work in the short roll. But one thing the Bucks allow, in, like they're not going to rush to the short roll. AD, LeBron, they work really well in the mid-range as they're getting momentum, going to the basket. So teams commit to them, and then they're able to throw a lob over the top. But what the Bucks don't do is they don't commit in the mid-range. So there's no avenue for like a lob to come over. They're just got to wait for either Lopez to win in the restricted area. And so that takes away a lot of their offense. Yeah, it did. Um, you know, and I, I want to say, I don't want to talk too much about the Lakers. This is a Bucks podcast and the Bucks are the team that's more worth talking about. But 
there's one Laker that kind of ties into a buck I want to talk about. We need to acknowledge the job Wes Matthews is doing as a primary defender on freaking superstars. Wes covers LeBron for almost this entire game, I would say. I mean, not I mean, LeBron plays six more minutes than Wes, so not almost all of it, but a lot of the LeBron minutes, Wes is the primary defender. And LeBron comes away with a good stat line because he's LeBron James. 21 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists, although no stocks, and four turnovers and five fouls. The Lakers are a minus 14 in LeBron's minutes, and it takes him 19 field goals to get up to those 21 points. And he, I mean, we're going to talk about uh, another player who shot unseasonably well from three, and we're going to get really excited about it soon. But LeBron shoots pretty damn well from three as well, but it still takes him 19 field goal attempts to get to those 21 points. Not efficient, a lot of turnovers, a lot of assists too. I mean, again, he's LeBron, but that's just the stats from watching this game, the eye test. It's hard to come away from this not thinking, how the hell was Wesley Matthews available for a veteran minimum? This guy is so freaking good. Yeah, what he's he's guarded Kawhi, he's guarded LeBron. Who else who else is he? Who else has he put the clamps on? Those are gonna be the big yeah. two. I mean, we'll see going forward, but it's just such a relief to have a guy you can trust in those situations. I mean I, I was bringing this up in various places, and I got I got kind of FOH'd a couple times. Like, yeah, come on. They're not going to put Wes Matthews on LeBron, and look what happened. Like, he did it. He did really well. There were a couple times where he got a bunch of steals on LeBron. Like that, I think two of them, uh, two of LeBron's four turnovers were steals by Wes Matthews. Um, I don't know. It was just an outstanding performance. Like, one of the great things about not having LeBron or, I mean, uh, Giannis or Chris to guard LeBron, while it didn't really work out tonight, it saves them fouls. Like, Wes got four fouls in the game. Like, those are four fouls that aren't going to Chris and aren't going to Giannis when they're guarding LeBron. Exactly. And you look at Wes, still able to contribute on the other end, too. Four for nine from the field, three for seven from three. So, a nice three-point shooting game from him. He ends with 13 points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals a block and two turnovers. And I want to I want to talk about Giannis, Chris and George Hill, but first, I got to give a shout out. Brooke Lopez still in three-point shooting hell, 0 for 3 again tonight. Oof. But my god, is his defense terrific. <laughs> 10 points for Brooke, four rebounds, but I'm not going to he boxes out a lot. He taps out rebounds. He tapped one to Ursan. Ursan looked like he had no idea what to do. He's like, "I'm usually the one who taps the ball. What is this?" But Brooke with those four rebounds, two assists, Four steals and three blocks. Seven stocks in this game for Brooke Lopez in 33 minutes. He was a force down low. I mean, one of those steals. LeBron is coming, and Brooke just, like, reaches out and kind of backhand taps the ball away. Like, his hands, his instincts, his presence, it's so crucial to the Bucks' defense that they are living with him not making any threes. If he yeah. can start making those threes again, whew. <laughs> That's <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's the noise. Just, that's, that's the just, noise when Brooke Lopez makes threes that's now. Just, that's, just, that's just such an absurd sentence to say. If Brooke Lopez could start hitting threes now, oh boy. Uh, compare that to what we used to say about Giannis. But yeah, they <laughs> oh, got there. Man. Yeah. Oh, I was about to say something about Brooke Lopez. Oh, yeah. No. Um, even though he's not hitting his threes, we talked about this on the last episode. They, when Giannis originally got into foul trouble and he was off the court, there was no Giannis, no Chris. Bud, he he went to Brook Lopez mm, in the post. Yep. He he got Brook Lopez on um, mostly the left block, and just let him go to work. And he got points when they were needed. And that's part of what we were talking about with the supporting cast doing what they need to do. Like Brook Lopez is a viable option to go get you buckets on his own isolation. He he was an all star doing it. Well, he's not going to be doing it now, but he's he's still capable in short spurts. And we saw that again tonight. We did. That's where his two assists, I think both of them came from that particular run. One, he was actually out by the perimeter, and he gets doubled. And, and it actually might have ended up being a hockey assist. But I remember once he was on that left block. I think, I can't remember if he found a cutter or a shooter right now, but I remember thinking, like, oh, yeah, I forget. He's he's a really good passer from the post. Um, talk about reserve players stepping up, though. I mean, it's 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 there's so many things to talk about in this game. It's like it's a travesty to wait on anything, but... We got to get to George Hill, mm-hmm. 21 My points dad. on 12, Rohan's father, George Hill, uh, 21 points on 12 shots, three for five from three, four for four from the stripe, three rebounds, one assist, one turnover. So not, not lighting up the stat sheet besides the scoring, but goodness was that scoring important. I think George knew he needed to step up in this game without Eric Bledsoe, all the pressure and everything, 
I don't think it, it has meant a damn to George Hill in his entire Bucks tenure. Wow, was he good tonight. It was. It's just like this is just peak George Hill this season. Like we've seen smaller performances, but this was just fantastic. He does what he needs to do off the bench. He calms down the offense. He hits his shots. He makes the right play. He shot three for five from three again. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> he's just, he's insane. We talk, Again, we talked about this last episode, but sixth man of the year consideration needs to come for George Hill. He's been doing the absolute best he can in his role. And it's he, he's been crucial to this team. This team would not be where they are right now if it wasn't for George Hill. No, uh, 100%. It's that trade, I think back all the time. I really thought it was just like a salary thing. I didn't think George Hill was going to end up Horse being God. that important. Horse to God. That was, I think that was the origin of that when George Hill started playing so well. But um, a quiet game for Chris Middleton, uh, again, 15 points on, on, 29, or on 10 shots, 5 for 10 shooting. 29 minutes in this game. He also was limited with foul trouble. Just quiet. I want him to be louder. Um, I don't know if I have a more specific takeaway on that right now. I think him being so good in the last Clippers game gets him a pass for me on this. But this is two games in a row where he has not been as aggressive as I think he should be. Yeah, that's fair. And I think he was just playing to, I mean, I don't know. I can't know this for sure. But I think he's not he was probably not trying to be as aggressive as Giannis was clearly being super aggressive tonight. Like this yeah. game meant a lot to Giannis as we will talk about like right after this. Yeah. But, right now we <laughs> saved the best for last folks. Yeah. But I think Chris, it, it was, it was a solid performance. Like he didn't play bad, but you would just like him to do more. Yeah, correct. I mean, I just, I know he's capable of it. I just, I don't know what it is exactly, but there was there, he was on that run before that Grizzlies game where he was just seeking out his shots with aggression and and he was making them. I don't know what's happened to make him go away from that. I don't know if it was the moment. I don't think so because, like I said, in the Clippers game, he was doing mo- most of the same things. Well, did I don't he, know what did it he was. have LeBron on him? I think he did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. That's that's probably why. that's part of it. That's part of it. Yeah, but still, I'd like especially because he has LeBron to, a little bit. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, it was a solid performance, but we'd like him to see more. We would. All-star Chris Middleton, former yes. and future. Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan put respect on it. Yes. <laughs> okay, we should probably get to the star of the show, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should. Speaking of all-stars, Giannis Adetokounmpo, uh, 32 might be minutes. Good. He's might be okay. In 32 minutes, Giannis scored 34 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 4 turnovers, 5 fouls, plus 7 on the night. This isn't the fun stat yet. 7 for 10 from free throws. Not bad for Giannis. This isn't the fun stat yet. 11 for 19 shooting. That's pretty good. Uh, Here's the fun stat. 5 for 8 from three-point range. A career high for Giannis and threes made. And these were aggressive, sought-out threes. And I thought it was terrific. He airballed one early, either after one or two makes. After one make. After one make. And I was a little concerned. You know, uh uh-oh, this big moment against the Lakers. He airballs one. And... Soon after, very next possession. Out, very next possession. And he, did he dribble out or did he dribble up? He, oh, was that the deep one? No, it no, was, the yeah, deep one no, was, it the, was the, the deep one. It was the deep. Oh, was it? Yeah, he yeah. came off a he came off a screen and hit like a twenty eight footer. The yeah. next possession, and from there he just it felt like he just couldn't miss those. It was incredible to watch. No, he took over the entire game. It was his game. He was the best player on the court by far. It was just amazing to watch. He put on the crown tie. Ooh. He put it on. He put on the crown. He did. After he winked at the camera, he put on the crown. I mean, what a gesture, and it's hard to argue with him right now. Yeah, five for eight from three. One play that stuck out to me, uh, AD bricks a three. Then Giannis oh, gets yeah. the rebound, and he was just like, okay, bet. Like, And then he just pulls up for three <laughs> let, in transition. Let me show you how this is done, AD. That's what he said. He said, let me let me give you a pointer mm-hmm. on these three-point things. This, AD this is was how you do for six today. Yeah, uh, and none of them range. were even close. No, yeah, it was it was rough showing for AD from deep. I I don't know. He's very very good, and he definitely dominated some stretches in in part in large part due to foul shooting. But he and this is something I've I've heard and I've I've seen a little bit of. He can struggle to dominate a game by himself, and I mm. think that you can't run tonight. a team through AD, which is why it's working very well with LeBron and AD. Right, right. That you need that other player to help initiate that because AD cannot run an offense on his own. He needs no. someone to help set him up. No, correct. Um, we're gonna talk just about wait Drew one sec, one sec. No, just go, to be go. clear, Giannis is leaps and bounds better than AD. <laughs> yes. 
in another stratosphere it's not even close and this game proved it yeah no i think i don't that's that narrative is going to live forever because ad plays in la and and Giannis doesn't but um Giannis is better yeah i don't think ad had ad had 30 10 and 4 at one point and he like dominated the third quarter and it's just like it wasn't even close because Giannis was still clearly the best player on the court yeah, and he and he took over when the game needed taking over. That's why I don't feel that bad about this game being as close as it was because of how little Giannis there was and because of in the fourth quarter it was a little tenuous at times, which you expect when you're getting, you know, haymakers thrown by LeBron and AD. It's not supposed to be easy. This Lakers team isn't fraudulent. They're damn good. The Bucks are just mm-hmm. better. But it just felt like when the Bucks were running with their best guys, and again, we haven't even talked about this. Eric Bledsoe doesn't play in this game. Yep. So one of their best three guys wasn't even there. Eric but Bledsoe when, would have feasted this game, by the way. Yeah, he would have. The, the, the Lakers do not have anyone who's going to – well, they have Danny Green, who's good. But, I mean, it's 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 tough. It's tough to guard the Bucks. It's tougher when they're at full strength. But when they had their best guys, Sands Bledsoe, on the court, it felt like they were just better. And that's a good feeling. Even if the final score doesn't indicate that that much, you watch that first half before the foul trouble, you could see who was better. Mm-hmm. It was it was just, it was a clear performance. Like the Bucks just, they said, we're going to win this game and there's nothing the Lakers could do about it. No, correct. So uh, we're going to have Justin pop in here in just a second, but there's one other thing we wanted to talk about besides just this game and, and Bucks in general. The Drew Holiday rumors that he hasn't even been rumored to the Bucks. He's just been like, vaguely suggested he might be available, which I don't even know if he really is. No, Mark, Mark Stein reported that he is available. He's, yeah, I, he, I, I know the, that's the report I'm talking about. It still seemed a little vague to me. Like, they're not was, shopping. Yeah, it was, like, by uh, default, because it's, like, yeah, the only, untu- he said the only untouchables are Zion and Brandon Ingram, so I guess that means Drew Holiday is available. Jackson Hayes must be furious. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, I'm the, I'm the rookie actually playing, but... um and I, I've I kind of gotten into a spat with some people about yeah you you were you were active on the timeline I was active on the timeline and you know what I don't regret it I usually do regret it but the the trade thrown out there I think by Nikias Duncan was the one I was talking about the most which I thought was a pretty fair trade for the Bucks I think it's Urson Dante and is Robin is Robin Lopez I the think, other guy I think it was. I think just for salary, yeah, for something salary. like that, something like that for Drew Holiday and, and the Bucks throw in the Bucks throw in like a two Pacers picks, like a first and a second, mm-hmm. and people were massacring me saying Bledsoe is better. Like, what's the point? Oh no, it's it's Bledsoe, Ursan, and and Dante. That's the deal. Oh I'm yeah, saying. duh. Duh. I can't believe I forgot to put Bledsoe in there. People are, are saying Bledsoe is better, which in the regular season he he very well might be. That's not why I make this trade. People saying Dante should be untouchable. I think Dante is very good. He looked good tonight. We already talked about how good he looked. Untouchable is saying a lot. Uh, yeah. I think if you add Drew in place of Bledsoe and you don't lose all of your depth in the meantime, I just think that changes the Bucks from a team I think can win a title to a team I think will win a title. And perfect timing to talk more general NBA stuff as Justin Rowan, LeBron James, Stan, also, Cleveland Cavaliers podcaster, uh, the chase down here on the Blue Wire Network, has just joined the call. Justin, how's it going? I'm doing well. Are you, are you guys excited that you get to keep Giannis for another week now? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well you know, I think what's that, interesting that's what this, about this That's game, what was at stake, right, here the, yeah. tonight? Well, I think what's interesting now is how clear it is that he's going to go to the Heat. Uh, <laughs> that's what I learned from this game. So, at least he'll look good in those uniforms. I mean, the jerseys will be a must-cop. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure what's going to lead the jump tomorrow is going to be Rachel Nichols asking, what does this say about where Giannis will go in two years? No, honestly, <laughs> this game, I, I tweeted it out, but I, I was saving my more expanded thoughts for jumping on with you guys. Um, Aww, I thought this was, I thought this was a really, really good great game like this is a showcase game for best record in the league um people have talked about ratings being down and all that and i just found myself being bummed out that with the game being as good as it was just how poorly the broadcast really talked about the game like preach it was kind of your stereotypical things like oh well is this a passing of the torch when Giannis blows by lebron on one play or whatnot and 
Um, oh, well, if he adds a three-point shot or if he it adds wasn't a even at, shot. Yeah, it was adding a mid-range. After Giannis yeah. hits a three, like his fifth, th- fourth <laughs> three of the game, Reggie Miller's like, oh, if he adds a mid-range, it's over. Like, what are you talking about? Right, and, and when you're talking about trying to showcase, like, the thing about the NBA is it's actually succeeding in spite of its best efforts by everyone covering the league. Um, if you were actually highlighting, okay, if you did your pregame research and you know that Giannis has been shooting well this last month and a half at like five attempts a game, um, you that would be valuable information for the audience. You could help inform new fans. Um, it, talking about something like passing the torch or whatever. Okay, absolutely. Giannis has a, a case for best player in the league. I think he is the best player in the league at this point. Um, but that's just such a lazy, tired talking point. It doesn't inform anybody. These are two really, really damn talented teams. And I felt like I didn't learn anything about them. Like, even if I'm no. approaching this as like a casual fan and, and trying to get myself in the mindset, there's nothing a casual fan would have learned to help sell you on either of these teams. Yeah, I thought there were some, there were some really interesting and I thought, profound and, and obvious strategic things from this game that I really I mean I might I some I missed some some stuff on the broadcast for sure. So if I missed this being called out, whatever. Mm-hmm. Obviously I'm I'm glued to my phone tweeting the whole game. I don't even really know what happens. I just react based on other tweets and then tweet that's sarcasm. I hope people pick up on that. But um <laughs> like the Bucks completely took away almost all of what the Lakers do around the rim. Like the Lakers have been very, very good at getting their two real centers in, in good cutting position and getting those guys easy buckets. They've been a very, very good lob team. The Bucks were they, obviously they get the Lakers do score inside. They had a lot of points in the paint, but they took away the two centers, uh, Javale and Dwight combined for six points, I think. And they really, the Lakers were not able to get that many lobs thrown, and, and at least successfully. And to me, that was such a huge part of this game. And, and the Bucks defensively, especially in the first half, and all we get is, I mean, Reggie was super thrilled that the Lakers were closing the gap in the third quarter. <laughs> I think all of his calls were like, they're close to double digits. Oh, 11 points. That's 11, Kevin. And it's like, oh, that's a good rhyme, Reggie. But, like, talk about the game. But it, it wasn't even just, like, a one-sided thing. I agree with you, Justin. It was just lazy. Like, I, I thought the the passing of the torch or whatever thing was a weird call. Because it seemed kind of out of nowhere. It yeah. was like he, was it, just it, like he like had a, he had that as a talking point before the game and was right. waiting for a, a moment. That's what it felt like. Yeah. It was like but the why that's he, the narrative. The moment he chose was a shooting foul on Giannis, <laughs> where he didn't even make make the shot. It wasn't even an and one. It, that was the torch. That was it right there. Those that he probably made like one or maybe both of the free throws. That was the torch. Yeah, for someone with passed. refined taste, you you understand that that is how the torch has traditionally been passed. <laughs> uh, he was just when, waiting when to Michael, say for a Kodak moment. When Michael got fouled by Magic in in '91, that's when it all changed. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so right before you got in here, Justin, I want to get back to this game, of course, and, and all your thoughts on, on the, the Bucks, the Lakers, the league, everything. But um, we were just talking about the Drew Holiday stuff. Um, just what's your what's your general take? Do you think that he will get traded to the Bucks? And, and your thoughts on their package? I know there are some out there who think Dante is untouchable and Dante for Drew straight up would be bad for the Bucks. I get that. I, I kid. I don't think that exactly. But mm-hmm. just your, I just want to hear your perspective on, on someone who's not ingrained here in Milwaukee, or at least with the team. I think it would be a good message to send. I, I think I'd be a little cautious on what the cost would be. Um, but if David Griffin has kind of reached a point where he understands, okay, um, I've, I've tried to do it a certain way. I'm going to have to make some adjustments here. Obviously, the Zion injury kind of changed their timeline. Um Absolutely. Like, I would go for it. I think it sends the right message, to be honest. Um, just that, hey, as good as we are, we are always going to be proactive. And, and not even in the context of free agency. It's it's figuring out exactly when you're selling high and low on assets. That's something you have to do no matter how much security you have with your star player. I think Drew Holiday is just a phenomenal fit. Um, he's somebody that can thrive off of Giannis as the primary initiator, which I I think is very, very important. And uh, you and I have talked a million times before about just how low I am on Eric Bledsoe. I'm just (laughs) not a big fan of what he brings to the table. And as much as I like what Dante can do, 
um, I do think that that would be a worthwhile um, move for them, especially when you look at how crappy this draft is. Like, as as a Cavs fan, that you you were so far away from having a franchise cornerstone in, in the mold of a Giannis or or even a Dame or any of these Dante. guys, we're not Dante. getting that. We're not getting that in this draft because this draft sucks so bad. Well, no, don't speak too soon. Uh, the 2013 draft was not that great up front, but it, it did get better. So who knows? Maybe you'll get absolutely boned in the lottery and then end up with that cornerstone. Yeah. Or maybe it's already there in KPJ. No, oh, Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio, the land of developing raw prospects. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Something I would be kind of trepidatious about with the Drew Holiday trade would be David Griffin. I didn't even think about this aspect until you brought it up, Justin. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I wouldn't want to really mess with David Griffin because he, he usually wins all of his trades. He's... Yeah, he is good. The the, Kawhi, the Kyrie trade is an interesting example because you look back and I think it doesn't look the greatest just because of how it all shook out. But in that moment, like thinking IT would... He was hurt, but like get come somewhat close-ish to the last year. Plus the two Nets picks. Like you look back now, and it's like what Colin Sexton and It and mm-hmm. what did the other Nets pick turn into? In, in, they... in all in all fairness, um, that that was Kobe Altman that executed that trade. Um, oh duh, true. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean th- that trade we can go over it a million times. I don't think your your listeners would be incredibly interested in that but no. again but there was Griff that one loss to Brooklyn thing, that right? basically was the difference between uh Colin Sexton and getting Luca so um that, that 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 was, that's going to it's going to haunt me for a very long time what did, what did Griff have the Paul George thing worked out and it didn't work and that's that was the end of Griff? Mm-hmm. Was that a thing? He also had an Eric Bledsoe trade, didn't he? Yeah, so the initial trade was he had traded Kyrie to Phoenix essentially. Um, and Bledsoe and Paul George were be going to be coming to Cleveland. Um, could not... I mean, the, the team knew when they signed LeBron um, in 2016, right after the title, he had already made up his mind that he was going to be going to L.A. Um, even if they did this, Paul George and LeBron would have left L.A., um, but would have gave you a better chance for sure. Uh, they, they couldn't get uh, Dan Gilbert to sign off on that and, unless LeBron gave him some sort of verbal confirmation. Then he pulled off a second trade for Paul George, which was Gary Harris going to Indiana, Paul George going to Cleveland, and Kevin Love going to Denver. And that one got approved by all three teams and then vetoed uh, by Indiana um, at the at the last minute. Pritchard uh, vetoed that, so... Yeah, I mean, theoretically, I guess that's (laughs) at the time that would have been viewed as a win-win-win trade. And I think that's the way Griff likes to operate. But I I wouldn't be too, too concerned with that. I I think there's a different timeline right now. And that type of a trade would be one of those where you're helping New Orleans for where they're at currently. And that's I, I really do think that that's a big step up, especially when you're adding to the length that Milwaukee already has, uh, which is an element that really gave the Lakers a lot of trouble tonight. Yeah, it did. Great segue back to the Lakers game, Justin. This is why you a professional. are a pro's pro. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like I feel like that's enough Drew talk for now just because we haven't seen like a report that the Bucks are interested, the Bucks are talking, anything. Mm-hmm. Just that he's available, and I, I personally think he'd be a good fit. And then, uh, you know, friend of friend of my old pod, and I'll have to get him on the new pod, Nikias. Threw that trade out in the universe, so I wanted to talk about it. But anyway, back to the game. Um, LeBron, not great tonight. Uh, guarded by Wes Matthews. Uh, I got to give a shout-out to the Chase Down Discord, where I do a lot of NBA talking, in addition to the Eurogroup Discord. And if you don't follow Justin and, and subscribe and rate and review the Chase Down, you're not doing NBA podcasting, right? But <laughs> people in there, people, you know, of course, people in there did not believe Wes Matthews could guard like primary star players. He did a pretty damn good job on LeBron tonight. And I know... It's a different LeBron in, in May or June than it is right now. But what were your thoughts on, on LeBron and how the Bucks contained him? Yeah, so obviously the, the one uh, qualifier that has to be thrown out there other than the time of year is this is the fifth game of a road trip, second of a yeah. back-to-back, mm-hmm. first leg of the back-to-back playing without Anthony Davis, so a bit more of a load on him there. Um, but I think the one takeaway, especially if you're a Lakers fan, is – they're going to have to develop 
ways of not playing this much individual offense. Like there was so much emphasis put on individual shot makers and, and getting your own shot that Wes Matthews, great as the, the primary defender and the help was there. And if you're not making things easier, you can win a game or two against Milwaukee in a series playing that way. But I feel like to win four games against them would take just so much effort you'd have to execute at such a consistently high level and as much as i think anthony davis is probably the best fit uh in terms of a teammate that lebron has had it's not it doesn't operate the same way that Kyrie and lebron did where they could run a pick and roll with one another and it would immediately generate a dramatic switch where you either had a forward that couldn't stay with Kyrie or a point guard on lebron which they exploited time and time again with steph in the finals it's not the same thing, especially when you're talking about a team like Milwaukee that has so much length. You are not going to be able to just one-on-one and uh, pick and roll your way into beating them in a seven-game series. Yeah, there are a couple possessions where LeBron got the theoretical switch that he would want in that situation where he got either Brooke or Robin Lopez on him in the right corner, mm-hmm. and, he, and he couldn't do anything about it. He couldn't get to the basket, and he yep. just had to settle for long twos and pull-up threes. Yeah, and he made some of those FU threes like you expect him to. I think he was three for seven on the night. But that's one of those where, like, every time he or Anthony Davis would take a shot from deep, part of me was like, go ahead, especially if it was a two. Like, sure, do that, because I know how good this Lakers team is in the paint. And I think part of, like you already talked about, Justin, Milwaukee's length. You know, the the Lakers are, are really good at getting the defense so concerned with LeBron and AD that one of those cutters, whether it's a guard or, or one of their centers, is in great position either for the lob or the cut, and Giannis is such a cheat code against that. Like trying yeah, to throw a lob, really. if Giannis is prepared, it's such, a, it's such a tough move. I think he deflected at least two of them to AD, especially earlier in the game. He just wasn't letting that ball get in there. And the Bucks in general are, are good at aggressively fronting. They, they make your life hard in the post. Yeah. It's like the whole ethos of their, their defense, and it was interesting to see these teams match up that way, and you know, I, this is something I, I was talking about a little bit in the Discord, and I want your take as someone who obviously has followed and covered LeBron for, for years when he was with the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. So there's this, there's always this dialogue, like, is there a system or is the system just LeBron? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Like, obviously, there's more than just LeBron on the team. I'm not saying that, but there is... You can boil it down, or maybe you can. I'm asking if you can. Can you boil it down to... When there is a LeBron team, and I think this especially applies post-Miami, mm-hmm. it ends up being some form of like LeBron is handling the ball and he will execute you know, pick and rolls or whatever kind of plays with some of the best players and then he will cook and the game will depend on him. Like, Is it fair to say that the syst- like LeBron becomes your system, like, like some sort of Borg? To some extent, yes. Um, I, I think especially when Ty Lu, I, I would say 2017 and, and 2018, obviously 2018 had a little less to work with, um, there certainly was hunting individual matchups. That, that was a big, big part of what the Cavs would do. Um, part of the reason why Toronto never stood a chance, even though they, relative to some of the other competition that actually gave the Cavs some trouble in the East, um, <laughs> to, even though Toronto had more talent, the individual matchups, like being able to just isolate DeMar DeRozan or Jonas Valanciunas and just punish them possession after possession after possession, um, that was something that they just never adjusted to. Um, there, there was an offense, but it's typically very simplified, right? It, it's almost like a... Um, God, I'm I'm not great with football, but like the the read option basically, where you trust on LeBron's IQ, you give him a couple different outs, um, you have motion off ball and try to set up the that type of stuff, and just trust him to make the right decision. And, and you have obviously with other guys as well, but just given his ability to pass and the height that he has to be able to see over defenders, and that you you'd be crazy not to utilize that. Um, I don't think the Lakers have reached that point yet. Um, they don't have consistent depth, uh, which is both a product of injuries and just kind of figuring out things with new pieces and all that. So um, they really do lean on their star duo 
um, to what I believe <laughs> a, a healthy, unhealthy uh, degree. Um, I think there's a lot of season left. I, th- I think they can make adjustments, but they really do need other guys that they can trust in initiating offense. Because as much as LeBron's going to take up the majority of that playmaking, um, you can develop a system around him. And, and I do think that that's something that they should prioritize. Yeah, for sure. Just a, just a little pivot. I want to know what's your opinion. We touched on this earlier a little bit, Justin, but what did you think of Giannis putting on the crown? <laughs> I like it, man. I absolutely like it because I know it pisses off LeBron, and <laughs> I love that. Like that That's the type of stuff we need, man. Like just it, it, There's another example. The, the broadcast needed to make a bigger deal of that. Like let, Let's get this rivalry going. Even I if mean, Kevin Harlan stuff, had no idea what he was doing. Dude, like he, he can't not. see, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> None. And uh, you know what? Like, even though that's a dumb conversation, that's a fun, dumb conversation. That's not as dumb as regurgitating talking points that we've heard a billion times that most are not relevant at this point or talking about free agency or anything like that. Like, let's get back to stupid, petty rivalries. Like, let's get back to KG and Mellow Honey Nut Cheerios type stuff. Like, let's get going. Well, and I think even you can say it's dumb, but I think what makes it more compelling than, you know, whatever the broadcast comes in with that they're just going to go with no matter what. Yeah. Like in the first half, I had to laugh because there was this whole talk about is AD LeBron's best assist partner of all time. And like their connection has been great. And those guys were like had like one combined make at the time. And it's like, well, this maybe isn't the time to to go with that uh, story. But um, at least like. Going with the fun, dumb story of, of Giannis putting on the That would have been the, the time to say it's passing of the torch. It would have. And, like, right. just talking about that, at least that's rooted in, like, reality and what's happening. I think there can be such a disconnect with what the broadcast is talking about and what the hell is going on on the floor. Yeah. Like, it, this wasn't a JVG game, but you get JVG going on, on calls that happened five minutes ago. Meanwhile, there's real live basketball happening. Let's And even and other non-basketball things happening. Let's focus on that. Let's focus on the product because it's phenomenal. I mean, this was a really fun basketball game. It was it was hyped up to be one of the greatest regular season games we've seen in a while, and it I I'm I want to say it lived up to it. Yeah, absolutely. Like this was a great showcase game, and I I think all of us seem to have the same frustration of this just could have been highlighted a little bit better. Um, but the actual product itself, like the majority of the time. I will listen to podcasts or I I have something else playing in terms of audio when I'm watching games just so that I I can focus on what's happening and it it actually helps me um, be a little less distracted because I tend to get a little too worked up over broadcasts. (laughs) Um, But because this was such a a big spectacle game and whatnot and all the talk of ratings and stuff, I was like, you know, like, let's go with kind of a more traditional thing here. Like, let's let's try to view this through the eyes of a casual fan. It was a little bit disappointing. Like, I want to give them some credit or some defense here, uh, play devil's advocate. When you have all these prepared graphics and stuff like that 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 people work into, like, you have to figure out when you're you're going to kind of sandwich that in but it can just make for such an awkward broadcast and especially now that we are getting more and more good ones like richard jefferson i, th- I think is a great example uh, the yes network does a fantastic the yes job. network is so damn good and there's personality it's not the stale crap that we're so used to i i just don't understand in 2019 almost 2020 um, why we're still doing broadcasting the same way. Like, this this is supposed to be fun. This is entertainment. This is escapism. This is such a beautiful ADD game. Why are we calling it this way? Yeah, and I think what worries me is I, I think the broadcast networks might be a little more hesitant to shake things up because when they did, it was the horribly ill-fated players-only idea, which was like, let's get a bunch of players, none of whom can call play-by-play, and just have them ramble during the games, oh. which... Also, I don't think is the answer. I think there's a middle ground with exciting, informed play-by-play guys. Let, let's and get, that let's good get color bad. Commentary. Let's get bad analysis from like there's some players that give great analysis that would be great yeah. in that format. Mm-hmm. But let's get bad ones that hate the current product that just sit there bitching about what they're seeing. Yeah, the way to get ratings up is to have people talking about how terrible the game is. Ugh. It's so soft. <laughs> it was I don't never know how like you watched it was LeBron. back in my day. 
You watch LeBron and AD square off. There's nothing, nothing soft about how hard both of those guys can play. And I know a lot of my Bucks people were very frustrated with the second half AD fouls. I will say, I thought he got oh, a yeah, nice that whistle. Was, that was bad. <laughs> he got that was real a bad. very nice whistle. But in AD's credit, I don't think he was flopping. He was trying to score, and he got the calls that you know he got a lot of calls in a no, row for the, sure. The problem but. with the calls were that like AD deserved those fouls. He's like similar to Giannis in that he draws less fouls than he necessarily like deserves because he takes a lot of contact but the problem is that Giannis has the reputation and yet he gets less whistles mm-hmm. no I, I mean I'm familiar with that I, I, I lived through <laughs> that with LeBron <laughs> I I, oh. I mean they were bad calls um but I also kind of appreciate it as somebody that has Anthony Davis in fantasy. <laughs> oh, there's there's the secret angle. There it is. We I found a new slant. I'm selfish to my core, man. That, that's what it is. <laughs> um, we, you know, running to the end of time here, Justin. Any last takeaways from this game? And then after that, I'll, I'll got, I guess I'll combine it in case you don't. The other, the last question I always ask people, you know, give me your take on the the 2019-20 Milwaukee Bucks. Um, let me just look at the some of the game notes I have here. Lakers need size. Yeah, Rondo was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> um, they, honestly, like I, I feel like they'd be better off getting Point Shumpert in there. Like it, it's, Ooh. it's such a low Ooh. bar. I like um, that. Yeah, I, I mean Shump, he played some point uh, when he was with, back with the Knicks. He, he's done some of that in his career. I don't think he's good. But I, I think that he can he's better than what they have in Rondo there. Plus, you have a connection with LeBron, um, which that isn't always easy, finding teammates that he gets along with and get along with him. Um, yeah, that was uh, – oh, yeah, Bucks Bench, really good. I mean, I, I love Wes Matthews. Um, oh, I'm Wes is so good. So happy to see him playing while he's um, – b- back when I liked Portland and didn't despise them. Um, <laughs> Wes was a, a big part of that as well. So, yeah, no, it's uh, I, I'm high on this Bucks team. I I picked the Sixers um, to make the finals, and that was with the caveat that I expected them to make a trade, like potentially for someone like Kyle Lowry or something like that. Um, but I, I I think at this point I, I'm giving the Bucks the nod. Uh, not just because I'm on a Bucks podcast and <laughs> I, I value my mentions. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't value my mentions. I set them on fire every day. What am I talking about? Um, but no, no, I, I I just think that this is a really good team. I just would say that I, I think they should continue to be aggressive in pursuing options to improve. If nothing comes along, don't force a trade for the sake of making a trade. Um, don't pay a premium to, to shake things up. Um, I, I saw the downside of that, even giving up nothing really, uh, back in 2010 when we got Antoine Jameson, um, that really deep cut, it messed up, uh, messed up the chemistry, uh, pretty, pretty dang bad there. So, um, explore options, keep it in mind, um, try to find a solution that isn't Eric Bledsoe. And, um, I, I think that they're, they're in really good shape this year. Uh, the Eric Bledsoe one hurt. That hurts. But do you have a do you have a final like what, what what's the what's the absolute prediction? Like what, are they winning the title in how many games or what? Ooh. What are we talking? Ooh. Hot um, seat over here in the Eurostep, Justin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rowan and Rowan. I like this. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> putting, putting the pressure on me. I, I'm going to take over. Uh, <laughs> Ty, you, you're out. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> Man, Rebrand. yeah, th- that's actually my final prediction for the year is that I'm going to take over time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pivot, keep in the Central Division, though. Um, Carter and I cannot watch Cavs games together. Um, I mean, I I wouldn't be me if I didn't say Bucks and Six. Let's go. <laughs> Bucks and Six over the Lakers. How about that? That's the you're endearing you're endearing yourself, Justin. Yes, <laughs> you're you're pandering to the Eurostep crowd. <laughs> <laughs> what can I do? I, I I love being loved, and <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will do whatever I can to pander. I think you're on Twitter far too much for that. Speaking of Justin, <laughs> do you want to quickly quickly run through some plugs here? So if the one person who listens to this who somehow doesn't already know about you and either follow you or have you blocked can do one or the other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, primary plug, Chase Down Podcast. We have a lot of fun there. Uh, we record twice a week, usually 
pods are up uh, Monday and Wednesday evening. Uh, we try to talk not just about the Cavs, uh, so that some people will actually listen. Um, we, we talk, <laughs> we, we cover the whole league basically in kind of our, our wine and gold tinted glasses. But the Monday podcast is typically the one that's a little more Cavs heavy. Uh, but we have a lot of fun there, so you, you might want to check that out. Uh, you can also find my writing at Fear the Sword. Um, do previews, recaps, and whatnot there. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Kazanada. It looks a whole lot better in writing than it does out loud. Uh, <laughs> but basically just slap calves where you would have just the C normally in Canada, and you'll find me there. Perfect. Yeah. There we go. I think, uh, Rohan, unless you have anything else, I think that's all I have for now. I know you've got the... You've got our plugs covered in the outro, which blissfully I don't have to do anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, this was uh, this was a fun episode. Thank you, Justin, again for hopping on once again. If you would like to support Justin, which you really should, follow him on Twitter, follow the Chase Down podcast, rate, review, do all that fun stuff, support our friends all across the Blue Wire Network. Follow Ty and us on Twitter if you want to get in our conversations during the game for our Discord uh, tweet a picture of us li- you listening to the podcast or either me or it'd Ty be, it'd be weird if you had a picture of us yes, listening to the, that would the be, podcast I'd be that's a hard little to find weird and I'd be very concerned so take send a picture of you listening to the podcast and we will get you into the discord and like I said follow us on Twitter rate and review the Eurostep podcast on your uh, platform of choice and tell your friends about the podcast tell your friends about the Chase Town podcast tell your friends about Justin And thank you for supporting us, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.